I'm used to seeing a page, and I can see everything. So if I want to look ahead, or sometimes it'll catch my eye, now I'm stuck just on these five, these five verses or whatever, these five paragraphs. Um, but oh, uh, one thing I did want to add, and you, I was going to pray it, but everybody kind of prays into it um, anyways um, about the region. And one of the things that came to my heart when, when you had said that um, is I actually saw, saw the enemy um, uh, going around from one person to another individually and sticking earplugs in their ears. So when you go and you, you speak the truth to them, they're not hearing the truth. They're hearing different versions of the truth. That, you know, maybe from, like you mentioned, the person that's afraid, from past experiences. Um, or misconceptions of what the word says, or religiosity. Um, and, and then I saw um, that when people were praying and people were speaking, one by one, earplugs were being pulled out of their ears. And when the earplugs got pulled out of their ears, their eyes lit up like, oh, that's what that means. You know, um, and I just, I, that's what I was praying into. Everybody kind of said that, you know, they were in, in individual ways. That's why I never prayed it. But I did want to share that. That um, one of the things I want to encourage everybody is that when somebody actually gets something like that, or like what what's your name, Kayla, like what Kayla shared, um, that's not just somebody's imagination. Okay, when that type of thing happens, even if it seems weird, or or um, not that it seems weird what you said, um, but that's not an imagination. And and when somebody hears from the spirit something like that. That's not just because we're in a, in a room and the Spirit's moving. God is showing somebody something of what he's going to do. Now, if we, when, we t- when, we, when we take that in faith and then we step out in that, the Holy Spirit has freedom to act. When we hear it, we say, oh, yeah, that's cool. Or maybe we say, yeah, you know what? This is a really tough. These people are really hard-nosed people. It's not, okay, well, that I believe like puts a wall up against what's going to happen. Because I used to think that when we'd pray for God to move, we'd pray for revival. In my mind, I actually felt that God's going to mysteriously go touching people's hearts, which he could, right? I mean, he's done that, right? But I'm thinking on a wide scale that we're going to be praying, and all of a sudden everybody's going to start coming in and getting saved. And for years I prayed that way in frustration because it's like, Nobody's getting saved. I'm praying. I really feel the anointing. I feel the urgency of the spirit, and nothing's happening. Well, yeah, because I'm sitting in the prayer room. Nothing's happening. Well, yeah, because they're not going to know unless we go out. They can't hear the word of God unless somebody goes, Paul says, unless somebody preaches it. And it took me about 20 years of Christianity to put those two things together get out of the four walls and do that. So when that happens, um, take it by faith and then go with it. Go with it. If you see the walls tearing down as people are speaking, go speak. Because that's what's going to tear the walls down. If you don't go speak, the wall's not going to come down. Okay. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about today. (laughs) So um, I gave it a name and I forgot to write the name down. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah, I forgot because I forgot what I had titled it. So what I want to talk about is in Ephesians 6, um, 10 through 16. Let me go to the Bible and read that. 
you know what? Having a paper Bible right now would be really encouraging. No, I'll read. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it. Just give me one second. It puts it forces me uh, to out of my comfort zone right now. So, all right. Okay, it says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Hang on. I want to change the version now, too. I'm going to start over on that, okay? Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore. With, um, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the word of the Spirit, which is the, um, the word of God. I wanted to talk today um, specifically about um, when to stand. Uh, and um, hang on, let me go back to my notes. Thi I don't know how people do you do. I don't know how people do this. This is crazy. I watched Sean do it, and he has no problem with it. Okay, this is never going to happen again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the armor of God. When I first thought, when I was praying about it, when and when I was getting ready to um, to, to put together um, what I wanted to preach on. This is what came to my heart, and when I, the first thought was, I've heard the armor of God preached on many times. I'm sure everybody in this room has probably heard that, heard the analogies, and it's been expounded upon. Um, and I almost said, well, no, I'm not going to do that. It's, it, it's, it's um, old news, basically. Um, but as I prayed about it, I there was two aspects of the armor of God that I really felt that the Lord wanted to drill down on. Okay, and the two aspects are the truth or the belt, like a, the truth like a belt, and the sword, the word of God. Um, and the two, and the cool thing about those two things, as I noticed it, I looked, I read it, and I says, "Wow, there's the armor. Where it starts out with the belt, and then it, it's everything else is sandwiched between the word." And then, and then it, and as I thought about it, and I read some some different things on it, um, the belt actually. It holds all the armor together. Where if you didn't have the belt on, uh, you'd actually be risking danger when you're in a battle. Um, but it's also the truth of the, the the word of God is held on the belt. Okay, so and I and I thought about that, and this is okay. Well, you know what, the 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 sword that we carry, the word of God, is based on truth. Okay, so so I I just I decided to do a word study. And uh, and I says okay, it's truth. So as I did, and when I was doing that, Anna had happened to be reading something about the armor of God and what truth is. And and the person that was reading it expounded that it was integrity. It's our integrity. And I'm listening. I'm thinking that's cool. That's kind of what I what I would have um, I thought about that. And I, 
I said, yeah, that's cool, but it didn't, it, you know how sometimes when you, you want something to resonate with you, it didn't resonate with me. So I'm like, okay, and I kept reading, and, uh, and as I'm reading, I'm praying. So I decided I'm going to go into the Greek, and I looked up the definition for what truth means. And here's what I came up with. It means th the, the, base de the basic definition is true, truly, truth, which definitely didn't resonate with me. I said, great, okay. So, but in the Greek, that's a compound word, okay, and it's actually, it's actually taken from a word that's, that means to lie, um, to come out of hiding, to no, to no, to no longer be concealed to no longer be ignorant or unaware. And I thought about it. I said, okay, now, now something's starting to resonate. And I, and I thought about that. I said, okay, so truth, if it means not, not to be ignorant, okay, well, that makes sense, right? We want to we be aware of what's going on. Paul tells us that he doesn't want us in Hebrews not to be, not to be ignorant or naive um, of, what's of what the enemy is doing in our life, right? He, he, he warns us or teaches us that. Um, but it also talks about not to be concealed, not to go into hiding. And as I was praying about it, I said, okay, well, if we're going to live in the truth, that means that, that what's in us ca cannot, be in, cannot be hidden. We can't have within our life, within our soul, within our emotions, we can't be hiding things. And I made a list of what we could be hiding, and there's probably a an endless, an endless thing, sin. If we're gonna, if we are going to put the bell to Peter, we're gonna live in truth. We can't be hiding the sin that we deal with, which is what we do, right? Because we're ashamed of it, we're embarrassed about it, and I'm not talking about walking in the building and say, "Hey, everybody, I'm an alcoholic." Okay, that's a, okay. I'm not saying to do that, but to I have a friend that had shared something that his his wife had shared something with him, and he after 26 years of marriage that he, she has never told him that. That's not living in truth. She wasn't necessarily lying to him, but it was such a shameful thing to her that for 26 years she's never told a single soul that she dealt with this one this one thing. That to me is is it's fantastic. I can't imagine the 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 uh, the freedom the enemy has to go in and tell her and speak to her lies and condemnation and all these different things because it's all stuck within her. When we live hidden, when we allow things to be hidden within us, it opens the door for the enemy to come in and speak to us, lie to us, and just pound on us guilt, condemnation, shame, um, because it's hidden. When it's brought out into the light, we can live in that integrity, in that we can live truth in it. Um, and, it and it doesn't mean you have to tell it to everybody, but it what it means is nothing is hidden. If there's a time to share it, there, then you share it. it. It also gives us freedom that um, I heard there's a, the journey, have you guys talked about that? It's, it's a it's a, like a, uh, a healing ministry that we've just gotten involved in in Wyndham. And one of the things they said when we went to the training is they said that if you want to be, you want to receive cleansing from your sin, you pray to God. 
you want healing in your soul, you confess to your brother. And immediately that, I go, oh my gosh, that's what the Bible says. But I never thought of it that way. The Bible says what? Confess your fault or confess your sins one to another that you might be healed or you may be healed. I never put the two together like that. Um, but what that means is not to live hidden. Like different ways we can live hidden would be, because uh, have we ever met anybody? Have we ever done this? Where you act, you, you become one way with this group of people. You become another way with that group of person. Right, so you can receive acceptance in that, right? We, we do that. As kids, we do it as adults. Um, um, another way, uh, this is one of the things I thought of. I used to call myself a very private person. And I don't, you know, there's very few people that I would, I would, I would open my life up to. And I just thought that's my personality. I tend to be introverted. And, um, and I want, and I'm actually, I'm not comfortable you know, hanging out in large groups, things like that. Everybody else is talking, and you'll find me standing over or sitting over in the corner. I'm not afraid. I just have nothing to say. I'm not good at, um, at, at you know, chit-chat, surface talk. I'm not good at that. If, if we're going to talk, I want to know what's going on in your life. I want I, I, I want to know, talk about something substantial. Um, so I tend to do that. And I used to think that that that's just me. That um, not the part about sitting in, you know, waiting. I not not the part about not being comfortable in large groups. That is just me, okay. But the part about being private, not opening to people. I'm just I'm just you know not I'm hard to get um, to to get close to. That's not that's being that's living hidden. I, I it took me many years, but I realized I am private because I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. Or what what they're gonna um, or what they might say about me. That's living. I c to walk in truth is very difficult when you're doing that. I can walk and uh, maybe in other areas, but when it get when the rubber meets the road, when when something goes really awry, that's what's gonna rise, and I'm gonna obey that fear at that point in my life. Um, so that's what I when I when I that gave me a whole new understanding of what living in truth is. When we live in truth, it's not just being truthful. It's not just um, you know you know trying to know the facts, the correct facts, the correct way. Um, what it, what it is is truth. Real truth permeates our soul, our spirit, our soul, our, our thinking, our mind. Everything it permeates us. And the more truth we live in, the more clarity we're going to have in life. We're going to have more clarity in, in the Lord. We're going to have more clarity in the direction we're going. Um, so that's, that, that's the belt. The other thing that, um, that I know is the sandwich or what's being held on the belt is the word of God. I thought about that. And I thought about when I first got saved, I was I, I, the assistant pastor. And I, I got saved in Derry, New Hampshire. And, um, went to, and it was in an assembly of the God church which was really an experience for me because uh, they had an altar call that was about 50 people and they had, and they had, and this is the first time I went, they had an altar call and everybody, every, everybody went up to the front and I'm sitting like in the second seat over there and everybody's up front and they're all going, well to me it was blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and one woman, Kay, remember Kay Carson? She's, 
I still think it's that. She's going around the church with a tambourine, dancing around, uh, right around the whole church. I was freaking out. If it wasn't on the second floor, I would have jumped out the window. This did not resonate with me at all. Um, but about two years later, I ended up going, getting invited back, and I ended up committing my life to the Lord um, that time. And the assistant, pa- the associate pastor asked me if, I c- if he could mention me, if he could meet with me um, every Friday morning before work. And just, you know, just mention me, uh, which I didn't have any clue what that meant. And uh, so we started meeting. And what he used to do is he'd give me homework. And he explained to me that our sword, our way to fight temptation, to fight the battles in the life, is to know the word of God. Correct, right? I took it, but I didn't understand what he meant by that. So what he had me doing is I had to, each week I had to go home, and he started me in Proverbs, James. He started me in James, and I had to memorize the chapter that week. And then I had to come back and quote it to him. And then, and then if I was in service on Wednesday night, midweek service, he would make me get up and quote it to the church, um, which was only like, it was like this. You know, it wasn't a lot of people. Um, but for an introvert, that was a big deal for me to get up and do that. And every week I, remem- I memorized. I memorized the book of James. I think I quit after like 10 chapters of Proverbs or something like that. Um, but I, it never clicked. I used to think about it. So if I quote, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and this age. Then that gives that I'm fighting the enemy. Just because I'm quoting those words, that's going to fight the enemy? And then as life went on, I realized, no, it's not. that's not what's going to do it. What's going to do it is me quoting those words with the knowledge and understanding of what God is doing in me. Now... I'm speaking it in faith, and the and I and I, I, you know, just to qualify that, I did do that, and I believe God was faithful. And even though I was quoting it and not understanding, I did because I was doing it in faith, believing that God's going to do something. He did um, act on my behalf, but there were times when I've prayed over people, and there's a demonic expression coming out of that person. Okay, just quoting the word doesn't work. Acts proves that, right? Um, but quoting the word with understanding of what the principles of the word is. It's not just the word, the written uh, words on a piece of paper, but understanding the principles of what that's talking about. Then we can quote it in faith, and the power of the Holy Spirit will, will break you know, the strongholds, will bring freedom, will, will heal people. Right. Um, everybody. Ha- ev- everybody's had experiences of healing. Um, um, one of my first experiences with healing was um, when I first got saved. I was. Yeah, th- there was. It was a little church, like, about fifty people, like this, and they and they blew up, and um, they were um, building an addition. And I was on a ladder, and I was building, and I was chasing like stealing or something, and. Uh, and I jumped down, and there was another step stool below it, and I landed right with my knee on the corner of that step stool. Right, and one of those sharp aluminum ones. Ripped my pants, hurt. I couldn't even breathe. I was almost threw up. It hurt so much. And I'm just, I'm, I'm running, <laughs> limping around, um, and yelling. Nobody's in the building, and um, all, and I just, I just yelled out. I says, and I heard that Jesus heals. People read the Bible. Brand new to me. When I got saved, I knew nothing about re- religion 
or what Jesus does. All I knew was like the Ten Commandments on, on, on TV. And, uh, and I just said, okay, Jesus, if you can heal, I need it right now. Instantly, the pain was gone, and there wasn't a cut or anything. Instantly, it was gone. That was my first experience, which from that point on, nobody can tell me Jesus doesn't heal. <laughs> um, I don't have the gift of healing. It happens all the time. But, but I knew that, um, and I completely lost what I was saying to, to share that. So let's go back. Um, so it's understanding um, the, the word of God, the principles, what it is. When we can take that understanding, and then in truth, when we're walking in truth, we're walking in complete freedom, we're, not, we're vulnerable, we're not afraid of being exposed any longer. That's the power of the word of God can be released in our own life and in the life of the people around us. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and, and not being afraid of exposure is a big deal. I don't know anyone who hasn't dealt with some form of being afraid of being exposed, you know, when you're dealing with something. But walking in the truth that God is talking about, the real to, to worship in spirit and in truth, we can worship God, um, I believe, uh, to some aspects, to the level that we're walking in that freedom. If I am afraid of being exposed, if I'm dealing with um, pornography, I don't know, something, and I am and I am living it, even though I love the Lord, I'm seeking God, uh, but I'm stuck there. That's a, that's a that's a legitimate struggle that I'm having, and I am and I'm afraid and I'm I'm hiding and I'm afraid of being exposed for whatever reason, being condemned, being rejected, whichever. My level of relationship with the Lord, my level of of, of worship is limited. That's always going to be bumping up against that wall, always. When I am uh, when I've allowed myself to ha to to um, to be exposed. What happens is we find that w that we don't get rejection; we receive God's acceptance. We don't get condemned; we receive God's freedom, and and the ax the the absolute opposite of being condemned. Um, so though, and and I also believe that everything else, not the the breastplate of righteousness, um, every every aspect of the armor, uh, the, the analogy that the Paul uses for the armor, is is sandwiched between those two things, because I, we can't walk in the surety of righteousness if we're not true to ourselves, and if we're not true to ourselves, we're not being true to God or to anyone else around us. Um, so as I'm, I, as I looked up those words, I thought, okay. But I was, my first thought was, well, I was picturing myself sharing it. That's how I do it. While I'm writing it, I'm picturing myself sharing it. And I wrote, okay, what the heck does that have to do with standing, right? So I went right back um, to um, a, a word study on standing. Um, hang on a second. Let me look. Let's see if I can find my place in this thing here. How do people use these iPads? I'm lost on that. I love you. All my notes are here, but not preaching. I don't. It, this is the first and last time it's going to happen. Um, okay, let me see if I can find it. You know what? I'll just 
So what Paul talks about, he talks in, in the Bible, he says to be, be prepared to stand. Or in like the King James Version, it says when having done all to stand, stand therefore, right? And that having done all actually means to be completely prepared. I never saw that before. To be Okay, compared to what? When it's having completely prepared, and when you're completely prepared to stand, stand therefore. And then it goes on up to the armor of God. And as I was as I was thinking about this and praying about it, I realized that there's there's a place that we come to in our life. We're all going to come to it. Paul says to be prepared because the enemy at some point in our life the enemy is going to attack us, right? There's going to be in little areas and in major areas, okay? But in little areas, if we're, if we're prepared, then those little areas, we're going to be able to be victorious over that. So a little area might be, um, you know, some, a friend in church happened to, oh, here's a perfect example. This is a small area that I, that I, that I had to be prepared for. It was a friend that I thought we were getting pretty close. He was um, quite a bit younger than me, but we were really, we were doing things together. And um, one day I went up and I asked him a question about a, speci- a, about a tool. Uh, he happens to be in construction. And I was trying to do this new tool and I couldn't, I couldn't make it work right. And I went up and, and Sunday morning and I said, hey, hey, you know about this tool. He looked at me and said, you know what? You are an a-hole and he walked away. Except he didn't, he didn't abbreviate a-hole. Um, and I was stunned. I'm standing there. <laughs> and then top it all off, the worship started. So I'm standing there. And I happened to look, um, I happened to look around. I, I always, I, and I saw him standing there like this. I wanted to go over and just slap him. <laughs> uh, it, it really irritated me. Um, now, if I wasn't prepared okay, um, in my heart. If I didn't understand the principles of God, if I didn't have the relationship that I don't fight against him, okay, the enemy is doing something in that man's life and got the best of him at that moment. And what he wanted to do was get the best of me at that moment. He wanted me to go into, to get angry, to get judgmental, to, to to go into unforgiveness for him. If I wasn't prepared, those things could have gotten the best of me and then they could have been built upon, right? That's a little thing. But what happens when everything in life falls apart? When every area of life falls apart and everything in our life contradicts everything the Bible says, seemingly, seemingly contradicts everything the Bible says. What happens when, when, um, when it seems like everybody doesn't understand. Everybody is rejecting me. Um, nothing's working. My job is a failure. My church life is a failure. My marriage is a failure. My family is a failure. Um, what happens when that happens? Well, one of the things that, uh, that I want to express is that Paul is telling the church in Ephesians to be completely prepared because it's not if this is going to happen. It's when it happens. It is going to happen. Sometime it'll happen multiple times, um, but it is going to happen. 
the, one of the problems that we struggle with in the American church is that we th the whole culture teaches us to run from pain, to run from struggle, right? Everything, wh what, are, what, are we t what happens now when, when there's a toy brought out um, that's sold for a baby and then a couple of kids got hurt by it? What do they do? They put a recall on it. The toy that's been used since the industrial age has been there and everything's been fine, but now it's too dangerous because two kids got hurt, right? We are taught to avoid pain and minimize it at best. And what we do is in Christianity, we take that and we, and we apply it to, to the word. If God really loves me, I wouldn't be in pain. If he loved me, I wouldn't be suffering. If he loved me, my wife or my husband wouldn't have left me. If he loved me, my son or my daughter or my husband or my wife wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have taken him from me. That the culture actually sets us up for that. Paul is set us in, uh, setting us up for the, for the truth that things are going to happen to us. We are, when we get saved, I mean, this has happened bo even before we're saved, but when we enter into the kingdom of God, we have left another kingdom. We were a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. Now we've entered into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, and we're I we are now in the smack dab put into the middle of warfare with no boot camp from day one. Um, and there is a real spiritual force, a real enemy, a real devil, real demons that, are that they have one thing in mind. They hate Christ and they hate the fact that I bear his name. And they're going to do everything they can to make me, to destroy me or make me um, ineffective in the world. That's their one goal or two goals. Destroy me and make them in. And doesn't the Bible say that? That the enemy comes for what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Why does he want to destroy? He wants to destroy because he does not want Christ to be revealed on this earth to anybody on this earth. And so as soon as I get saved, I just became a co-laborer of Jesus, and the enemy is now on the target. And one of the, one of the ways Jesus had, one of the ways we grow and we learn and, we, under and we, we get closer to God and closer to one another is that we have to die. Jesus says that we need to take up our cross, right? I used to think that that to me was so romantic, taking up my cross, you know, and I'm going to carry my cross. There's nothing romantic about it. Taking up my cross means, when you think about it, Jesus was whipped and beaten. And all the, even the, even in the, um, the passion, yeah, the passion, I think that's the most realistic one, version of that. But even that is a, is a, a very minor view of what, Je of what happened to Jesus because he wasn't even recognizable. Um, when they were whipping him, right, and doing that, um, that, that he actually, there was 40 times they whipped him. Historically, that's how they that it was done. Um, and that he, there, was no, there was no skin left. He was unrecognizable. So when Jesus says, to, and then, we, then he goes to the cross, puts the nails in us, and then, and then when he dies, slow death, he tells us to take up our cross. When you take that picture, what does take up the cross mean? Exactly how does that fit? 
uh, one, of, one of the crosses that I've had to carry um, wasn't a lot of sickness in my life, but one of my thorns in my flesh has always been finances. I've gone through my life and, um, and made good money. In fact, if you went back 25, 20, 20 25 years ago, um, I was making six figures a year. Like back in the 90s, six figures a year back in the 90s is like making two $300,000 today if you made 100000 then. Um, and lo and behold, it didn't, never failed. There was always these major things that would go wrong that would suck up my money. Major things, like you, you, you have a car problem, right? One of, the, one, of the, uh, one of the things I dealt with, or we dealt with, was... Um, I was driving home from work. This is before I was making this kind of money, but this is right before this. Driving home from work, and um, had I had I had purchased a, um, a Mercury Pinto. No, not a Pinto. What was the upper brand? Huh? Bobcat. Right. And uh, like I was, uh, I was driving in luxury, and uh, and I'm driving. What? Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I'm driving home from work. I was on third shift. And all of a sudden, flames flew up over the window, over the windshield. I pulled over. I got out and watched my car burn up. And back then, when you bought insurance, you had to specifically put the individual things on. I didn't have fire insurance. I had $120 a month car payment, um, which was a lot of money back then because I made $6 an hour. And, uh, and there was no car. So I prayed about it. And a friend... Um, they sold me their van for fifty dollars a month, for six hundred dollars. So for a year, I didn't have it paid up. I drove it to work less than a week. Driving home, I was like, "What's wrong with this van?" The engine seized. So one week later, are you kidding me? Like, what's going on? Um, so I lived. I was living in Derry, and I was, and I had to go to Raymond, which is about forty-minute drive. And I, and and I'm like, "Okay, well, God's got to do something." And um, Monday came, and I still didn't have a car, so I'm out walking to Raymond. What am I supposed to do? Had to be there by 1. What time did I leave? Like around 9 or 10 in the morning or something. So I figured, if I'm going to have to walk, that's going to take me hours to get there. And, uh, and I started hitchhiking, and uh, which you can't do today, but back then it wasn't such a bad thing. And uh, some guy, an, an elderly man, picked me up. And, would you, and he has this little, I can't, Dodge Colt. This little teeny little car, and an old one, you know, and um, with and he's saying and he's talking to me, he's saying, "What the heck are you doing?" He said, "I'm going to drive you." He told me, I told him where I was going. He said, "I'm going to drive you there," and and I and he asked me to tell me what's going on. So I told him the story, and he says, "I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to sell you this car, right, for a hundred dollars a month, right, for six months." And uh, what am I going to say? I said, "Sure." He doesn't even know me, but he's willing to take the risk and do that. And uh, so at this point, I now have a car that's about 20 years old, for, uh, and I'm paying 120 and 50 is 170 and another. So I'm paying $270 a month <laughs> for this 20-year-old this clunker. Literally, it's a clunker, and it's all rusted and everything else. <laughs> and, but it got me back and forth to work. It got me through the thing. But that's the type of thing that's always happened in my life. Now, and this I'm still dealing with, so I'm going to speak this in faith. 
What I've always done is I have looked at my financial woes, constant financial from, from beginning all the way up to, and it's not so bad today, but it's still there. And I have looked at myself as a complete failure because I have made good money. I've added up over the years. I've made good money over the years. The last five, I'm self-employed. The last five or six years have been my low point. In, um, but pri I shouldn't be struggling because all the money I made the years before, but I have nothing to, I have very little to show for it. So therefore, I must, uh, this has been, ha all these financial problems is because I've mismanaged my money. It's all my fault. God's not blessing me because I'm not doing the right things. My wife is constantly telling me that that's, you know, that that's not where it is. But that's a belief system that I've been battling with all these years. And what happens is I'll be going fine, and then things will get rough, and I go down into this deep hole of depression and self-condemnation. And then stuff, stuff will pick up, and I'll come out a little bit. But the bottom line is, deep in my heart and in my soul, I am believing that to be the, to be the truth. And what that does is that prevents me from seeing the God who loves me. Okay, you know. But on the other side of the coin, it's going to take hard times, struggles, in order for me to see the truth that God really loves me, which is counterintuitive, right? Because if, if, if God wanted to show me that he loved me, shouldn't he bless me and then just erase my financial troubles? Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be kind of nice? You know, uh, you know, like I've dreamt that. Ah, uh, what if I had a long lost brother, uh, uncle, or something, and he left me two million dollars? I'd be all set. Which is probably true financially, uh, but maybe not. If there's me, I got a cross. I have to carry. We have to carry our cross. That's been my cross. But over the years, I, God has revealed Himself in so many ways. One one thing happened um, one time that we were, um, I was working at GE, and I was making about $350 a week. But then over a course of one particular week, we, we were in different meetings, and we both felt, um, I, I, I whenever we gave money, if it was a special offering, I always, we would pray, and, and, and then I would say what I felt, God, the Holy Spirit was speaking, and Anna would say the same thing, my wife. And, um, and if it, we agreed, we did it. Uh, well, over these three meetings, we we both agreed that we should give a hundred dollars each time. That's three hundred dollars. That's that's a whole week's paycheck. Now, I'm living from paycheck to paycheck, and uh, and I knew, oh, I, I'm going to be fine now. But it was at the end of the summer, and come the fall, I I burned coal. I'm going to need coal. I'm going to need to buy two tons of coal, which is going to cost. Um, it was just four. It was four times that we did that for the hundred. And uh, I'm going to need $400. That's what it costs. And I knew, I, in my mind, I was calculating this. And uh, I even checked with my pastor. I said, do you think this is the wise thing to do? And he said, you can't outgive out that. The Holy Spirit told you to do it. Don't worry about it. So I said, okay. Well, a couple months later, it came. It came time to do that. And what happened? Like, I don't have the money. Well, winter's coming. I don't have the money to do that. So I went out and I prayed. I used to walk around the parking lot where, um, where uh, on lunchtime and, and just spend time praying. And I just prayed, and I, I happened to be reading the Lord's Prayer, and I says, okay, God, I'm praying for, give me this day my daily bread. My daily bread today is I'm going to need coal. And I forgot about it. 
came to church the following Sunday. We're in Sunday school, and um, the pastor the pastor came in and said, "Listen, you got to come out. Took us out of Sunday school. Um, I got something for you." And come to find out, there was one person that they never met that was in the church that came out of a lifestyle of selling drugs, but in the midst of getting saved, she had also been arrested and been found. And then, and through the whole process, it was like a, I guess, a month-long process of court. She was found guilty, and she was going to prison. And she wanted to bless somebody. So she, and, that's and uh, I found out the story afterwards, but she handed us a green garbage bag. And in the green garbage bag was a mink coat for my wife. And my, my, my thought was, God, that's so great, a mink coat. Um, and it was fashionable in, in, the, in those days. And, uh, and I said, but God, you know, she, this, this year, the begin, uh, end of the winter, she just got her a winter jacket. I'm like, that's really cool, but I need coal. Well, that's what my, that's what I was I was saying, and we thanked her and went back. Well, Anna comes in and shows me this wad of twenty dollar bills this thick, and uh, and I said, "Anna, where'd you get that?" She goes, "I stole I stole it from the offering." <laughs> and, and then she says, "No," and then she said, "No, no, no, no." I started the thing. I said, "Well, go give it back, right?" <laughs> and uh, and it, but but what it was, it was in the pocket of the thing, so. I went back to give the money back, and she said, no, 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 that's for you. That was her way of giving me the money. It was wrapped up in the jacket. And there was exactly 20 $20 bills. Came out to $400. I, the fo that following day, I called and ordered coal. So God showed me, even though these crappy things would happen, God showed me himself through it step by step by step. And as he purified me, because every time I see him, I, I got more and more purified. Um, so that, that was the cross that I carried in that. But there's always, I believe, there's a time that we're all going to come to, if we live long enough, we're going to come to to where having done all to stand, we're, we're prepared for everything, and there's nothing left to do but stand. We can no longer read. We can no longer read and find an answer in the Bible. We can no longer pray, and even have any clue that God's hearing us. We can no longer go to a friend and share our heart and have it make any sense, or have the friend have any idea what we're dealing with. They can't give us any counsel. They can't give us any understanding. In fact, everything they say does nothing but hurt or irritate us because they can't they uh, they can't get it and um some people have heard i think jonathan edwards calls it the um the dark night of the soul i used to um I, i've read that i've read you know the the, the the spiritualist books and i thought wow i wonder what really what the dark night of the soul is um and about um i'm going to share my testimony what time is it am i talking i don't want to go too long am i am i going too long Hmm. You want me to close? You want me to close? You want? You guys good? Okay. Okay. Now, when I grew up, uh, I just want to share a quick testimony. Um, in my life, I grew up in a broken family. Um, my parents were divorced. I got, as a teenager, I was I got heavily into drugs, into drinking. 
um, and then when I was about 20, 21 years old, I got saved. And it was a black and white conversion. I went from completely in darkness to enveloped in a whole new light. The second I got saved, I never did another drug, I never, I never drank never ever again. It was gone. Even though I'd been told I was an alcoholic and everything else, um, it, it was broken the second I got saved. Um, you know, and I'm but, but going on, I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm going and I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, with, uh, with everything, you know, just life and everything I just explained. And we get 18 months after I got saved and I got married um, to Anna. Um, we had three kids by the, you know, four years later we had three kids. And but uh, but I was as dysfunctional as this is dysfunctional can be, because I had no teaching, no upbringing. My um, I was raised uh, in my formative years by my father. My father worked. He was a plumber. He worked from from dawn until until night. He came home. He'd be in bed at eight thirty. I after he'd go to bed, I would leave the house and spend the night out with my friends until four or five o'clock in the morning doing whatever, nothing that we should have been doing, and. Uh, so I had no guidelines. I had no boundaries. Uh, it, and all of a sudden, I'm in. I'm serving God, and I'm reading the Bible. And there's all these guidelines and all these, like, um, you know, the ways to conduct ourselves and everything. And I was in freedom to the degree where I've been. You know, I, and I, I know God, but I. Uh, but I interpreted so many things as not. Um, as a, I'm free to be this way. I interpreted it that I that I must do this, and if I don't, I'm failing. I'm in sin. I'm I'm. So I, I battled that all all through the years. But I grew. Um, you know, God. My kids. All my my kids are serving God. Um, and you know, and, and God did His work. He He did miracles in our lives. But about four, three, four, five, maybe eight. What year did Danielle pass? Okay, in 2014, a couple of years prior to that, um, just things got people started dying in our life. First, my best friend, one I have, I had two closest friends, and my, one of them passed away. Um, this was tough. And then a very close friend of both Anna and I, um, you know, went to sleep. Everything was fine, and um, never woke up in the morning. And she was only like 40 years old. Um, then the following year, Anna's mom and Anna's dad passes away, which that caused all kinds, all types of havoc in, in the family. Um, and that was, that was tough. I mean, I was in a real dark place. Then we were in a class. If I get emotional, bear with me on that. We were in a class uh, teaching first principles, and I, I got a frantic call from my son. And on the phone, he said, Danielle died. That's his wife, 32 years old. And uh, my everything stopped. It's, I can remember it vividly. Even though it was a long time ago, everything stopped. Like just everything froze. And, uh, you know, my son ended up moving in with us, with his two kids. He never went back to the apartment. He couldn't, like, I don't blame him. I wouldn't have gone back to the apartment either. And uh, I dropped into, I call it the abyss. I went into the abyss. Nothing worked anymore. Nothing. God didn't hear me. Well, let me rephrase that. It seemed to me that God didn't hear me. He didn't care about me. Um, I watched my son and my granddaughter, um, you know, grieving through that. I watched how it affected my family, and I was powerless to do anything. 
figure I was so broken in my own heart. I completely closed off. Nobody. Nobody. I didn't talk to anybody. I, I went to work. And I can't even believe I made it through work. And I'd come home. I'd eat dinner. People would talk. And I would go watch TV until two, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning every single night. TV was my escape. While I was watching TV, the pain was just a little less. Um, that was my my drug of choice, my, 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 my drug of choice. And uh, it didn't get better. It just stayed that way. And I would look at, I would, I would get up in the morning, I'd look at the mirror and I'd give myself the finger and I'd say, F you. You know, I just, I hated myself. And I was furious at God. My prayer life wasn't, wasn't praising God, wasn't worshiping God. I would sit in the car and I would yell at God. This is what you call love. You're not doing anything. I'm lost. My job is failing. I was making $150,000 a year, and in about a three-year period, I was down to $50,000 a year. Um, But I still had the expenses of $150,000 a year. So it was, you know, financially it was failing. I couldn't do anything in my ministry. We were in in heavy into leadership and heavy into ministry in the church. I couldn't do it. I had to resign from everything. My relationship with my wife. There wasn't any relationship with my wife. The only time I was in bed with her was I'd I'd doze off watching TV, and at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I'd get up and I'd go to bed. And I'd get up and I'd drag myself out of bed and I'd go to work. My kids, they didn't, I didn't talk to them. I didn't talk to anybody. Um, I, did, I did spend a few months, and I went and shared with an, an elder at our church. Uh, for about six months, we talked, and I finally stopped doing that because he had nothing to say, and it nothing, it's no fault of his. There was just nothing he could say to, to, um, to make it better. There was nothing. Uh, and then I finally stopped because going because I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, and nothing is happening. And, and I was conv- I, con- I was 99% convinced, and I was so mad at God. I said, after all these years, almost 40 years of serving you, you're going to let me walk away. You're going to just let me completely fall apart and walk away from you and die and go to hell. I was so mad at him. He wouldn't talk to me anymore. He wouldn't. Um, if I read the Bible, it didn't mean anything. It's just like I might as well have been. I if I read, I would read Tom Clancy, and I got more out of that, out of a, out of, out of that. And for about four years, it just got deeper and worse, and it just kept going and going and going. And then one day, I was we were talking about one a scripture in 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 the Bible, and uh, and I just understood it for the first time. But it meant something to me deep, and I saw, and it went in instantly. I saw why I was operating the way I was operating, and I got a huge breakthrough all, all of a sudden. And my the the depression, the anger, everything gone just like that. And that's when I went to Haiti. You asked me a week later or two weeks later to go to Haiti, and uh, and then that then everything blew up in Haiti in a good way for me. And um, and I realized I had to go through that. I had to go through that for God to show me just exactly how much he loves me 
and there's so many ab- so many things in that. But I, I questioned myself, why didn't I walk away from God? Is it because of I, I couldn't? Once saved, always saved teaches you can't walk away from God. Is that the reason? I personally, and if you don't believe this, please don't be offended. I personally believe that um, nothing can take my salvation, but I believe I can walk away. I can reject God. I have that choice. Um, But the reason why I didn't do that, I didn't walk away, is because over the years, the one thing I did understand, the one thing, the one-tenth of one percent that held me is that I knew the Word of God, and I've been exposed, I've exposed myself to the Lord. I walked in that exposure, and I knew that everything that's going on, all my anger, all my depression, all my rejection, everything, the darkness that I was in, I knew that it wasn't true. I knew it was, it, this was going on in me. It wasn't, it wasn't how God is, and I knew that. And so, what I would unwittingly, unknowingly, because I had, I have, I have, I have um, been familiarized myself um, and and delved into the Word of God, and I walked in um, true. I, I believe the depths of honesty that I understood, that I was able to stand all I could do when I would, when I would be in the, from time over and over and over again. I would say to God, I would say, you know what, God. I'm not going to make it if you don't do something. I have no, I, I'm not going to, I have nothing, I have nothing left. You have to do something. And I, and, and that was my standing. In the Bible, it's, uh, in the Greek, when it takes the word stand, it means to be strong. Okay? And I used to think that was like pull your bootstraps up and it, no, that's not what it means. It means you have something solid to stand on. And that something solid to stand on is walking in truth, walking in transparency before the law, before the Lord and the Word of God. And because I understood what the Word of God meant, and I was walking in that transparency with the Lord, I was able to take a solid stand. Everything else was swaying and moving around, but I was standing solid. And in the God's timing, He freed me. All of just one single. Anna was, I think. Anna and my son, I'm, I'm sure they were wondering what she she asked me because all of a sudden it dawned, all of a sudden it hit me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you mean that's it? Oh my gosh, and I'm walking around the house. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom, I'm going like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I was doing it till I think about it. I must have hit my head about five times. That little illumination from that one verse, cha- I, I was turned around, and all of a sudden I had a whole new, uh, 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 a whole new understanding and a whole new direction walking in. Um, but I wanted to share that today because in in, in, your, in our personal lives we're going to deal with that, but we're also going to deal with it in our corporate life, okay? So in, in I want to I want to encourage everyone to take the step of faith and live in that transparency. Begin to if you haven't if you have you're fine, but if you haven't, to enter into that transparency and start to build relationship with the people in your brothers and your sisters. 
with transparency, with vulnerability, allowing exposure, okay, um, which is a very, a very scary step to take, to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, I am dealing with this particular struggle, this particular sin. Um, and because by doing that, what's going to happen is you're opening the door for healing. You're opening the door for the, the Lord to come in and to sh- expose himself to us. If we don't expose ourselves, God can't get through and expose himself to us. The cool thing is when God exposes himself to us, that's when freedom happens. In Revelations, it says when Christ comes back and, we, and we're going to be translated, and the Bible says that when we see him, we will be like him. Now, he's talking about literally, physically, right? We're going to be transformed or transfigured into in the likeness of, of, of his likeness. But in an, a, uh, an application of that, in our own personal life today, when we realize, when God reveals to us an aspect of who he is, when we truly see that, we become that. We become like that. So if we're not, if we're walking in fear of exposure, then we're closing ourselves off to the um, to God exposing Himself to us to give us that freedom. When we see Him, we will be like Him. But it's also good at that way in the church. If the church, like this church, was this church at one point a hundred people before you guys came? Years ago. Why? Why does it go from that? something like this. Why, why does that happen? The enemy loves that, right? Okay. Um, I, I am a firm believer that the, the, the core group of the church, of what any church, any body, of cr- any local body of Christ, if they understand that, uh, that um, that's how the, how the enemy works, and that we're going to come to a place like that, and that, and that we choose to stand. Yeah, that's happened. This community is going through whatever it's going through. But I understand the word of God. I, I know God's called me here. And I, and I realize so-and-so is bugging the daylights out of me. And they're, they're hurting me. They're doing things. They're saying things. Um, but God has called me here. When I have that foundation, then we stand. And then all of a sudden, God, when, when God starts turning things around, we're not coming back later saying, wow, what happened here? We're in the middle of it experiencing the revival and the power of God changing people's lives. Yeah, um, so um, and that, that's a word that I just wanted to encourage everybody on, okay? Individually, be prepared for that. Walk in faith. Step out in faith. Um, know the word of God. The princi- know the word of God, the principles of the word, not so much just the written word um, for your own personal life, but also in the body. Now, sorry that I went a little long. Amen. That was so good, right? Thank you, Chuck.